are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. Soul to soul on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh Parshas Chayisara Tov Shin Memdal. A warm, warm welcome to our radio family. Thank you so, so much for joining us, for taking the time on a busy Erev Shabbos to put on your radio, put on your device, wherever you're listening, and join us, hopefully, for some inspiring Torah on the Parsha and on the situation now and what we have to do about it. Lots and lots to talk about. The learning today is being done as a refuah shleimah, as a zechus for shleimah, for shleimah leib ben etzel, for ora bas brocha, for avrom refoil ben sora, yael bas yafa, and in addition, also shleimah ben yomin ben shishana pesa, peretz ben chaya devoy leya, keila menucha bas devoyna, Chaviva Bas Rivalea, Aviva Sharon Bas Miroshena, and Ayala Bas Mindel. May Taka, the Zchus of the Torah that we create today, be something that is, that is a tremendous Zchus for them. And Bez Hashem, by next Friday, we should be able to take them off our, our Bikachoyim list, Bez Hashem, and, and be able to inform that they have had a full Rafur Shlema. This is Pasha. Is Pasha's Chayisara, and of course we have the situation of Yaakov of, of Avinu having to handle with a man called Ephron, not such a great person, uh, to buy the Mora Samachpel in order to bury his wife Sarah. And it says, "Vayishko Avram Ephron, Avram paid Ephron." an exorbitant amount of money, 400 shekel, and afterwards, Avram was able to bury Sarah, his, his wife. So we know, Chazal tell us that Avram Avinu withstood, and of course, was successful from the, all the tests, all the challenges to his, to his emuna, with which HaKadosh Baruch Hu tested him. This indicates the greatness and deep-rooted faith which the first of our Avas manifested in his commentary to Pirkei Avas. Saben Yoyna delineates the ten the trials, in, in, in a sort of ascending order of, of, uh, of conviction uh, that was necessary. So he places the Akedah Yitzchak which we had in last week's Pasha, when Avram Avinu was prepared to shecht his own son to fulfill HaKadosh Baruch Hu's command, he has that as test number nine. And with the travail surrounding the selection of a gravesite and bearing his beloved wife, Sari Meno, as number ten. How we can understand this? We have no question that having to deal with a, a low life like Ephron was a trying experience. But how could this trial indicate greater conviction than the Akedah? 
Veritably, HaKadosh Baruch Hu promised Avram that Eretz Yisrael would belong to him. And afterwards, right, be handed down to his, uh, to his descendants. Yet, when he came to bury his own wife, he was compelled to pay a, a, a fortune for the land. Nonetheless, he neither complained nor questioned HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The HaKadosh Baruch Hu promised. So, if you would have to work, one does not question HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Rav Chaim Keller explains this based on a remark made by Rav Eliyu Meir Bloch Zal concerning a certain bocher, a certain student in the yeshiva. He said, it is, this bocher is able to withstand the pressure of great and demanding challenges. But when it comes to the lesser, simpler tests, he may falter and fail. When Hashem commanded Avram to sacrifice his son's life to prove his commitment to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he was able to stand up to the challenge. But how would he act under a simple test, such as dealing with a corrupt Ephron to purchase land for a gravesite for Sodom? Would he demonstrate his overarching conviction and not lose it during the transaction? It takes a big person to undertake the small, insignificant tasks, while a small person only rises to the fore when it is a great attention-grabbing endeavor. Avram showed that big or small, it was all about fulfilling HaKadosh Baruch Hu's commands. This is 11.9 High FM. The program is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Chai Amen. This is Soul to Soul. Up on your radio. Air Shabbos Kodesh. Pashas Chai Yesorah Tov Shin Pei Dalel. As we prepare for another amazing, amazing Shabbos. Shabbos Pashas Chai Yesorah. The Shabbos that talks all about Shaduchim, about marriages. And we read in the Pasha. Eliezer is sent on the mission to get a wife for Yitzchak, the son of his master Avram. And he tells, when he arrives at Lavan, he tells him, I came today to the well and I said, Hashem, Hashem the God of my master Avram, please, you're going to make successful my road, which I'm traveling on. And Rashi says, quoting the Medrash, today I left where Avram was, and today I arrived. From here we see, that the ground sort of folded up and he had a much shorter journey. Says Even the conversation of the servants of our Avas is more important to us than even the Torah of their descendants. Because the whole parsha of Eliezer is written over. It actually happens. Eliezer's escapade in, in searching for a wife. And then he tells the whole story over again to, to Lavan. And many, many basic tenets of Torah are only learnt from an illusion in a pasuk. This, the Bnei Socher writes that by the Korban Pesach, 
The Torah commanded us that an Eved, a, a non-Jewish servant, is not allowed to eat it until he has a bris milah. In fact, it says, call Eved Ish Miknas Kosef, any servant, even though you bought him, umalta, so once you brisked him, az then he's allowed to eat it. Now, the concept of the Korban Pesach is as a commemoration of the miracle that HaKadosh Baruch Hu did what with us, that when we needed it most, it completely altered the normal way of the world to get take us out of Mitzrayim. And that's the reason that a Benechor, a non-Jew, is not allowed to eat the Korban Pesach. Since the, the, uh, the uh, non-Jews were not connected to the miracles that HaKadosh Baruch Hu did in a completely, completely unnatural way. It was only for us, uh, uh, Yidin. Therefore, the miracles only for us. But based on this, we have a big question. How can it be that a, that a non-Jewish slave, even if he does have a bismillah, is allowed to eat the Korban Pesach? But even the, the servants who weren't from the B'nai Yisrael, HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not do miracles for them. We can answer based on what the Gemara says in Bob Metziah Daf Tzadivov that uh, it, it says there that if someone borrows an object and at the same time borrows the slave of the same person from whom we borrow the object, so then even if the object breaks, the borrower is is potter. Because we have a concept of Yad Eved Kid Yad Rabbi. The hand of the servant is like the hand of the master. So therefore, even as for God's miracles, sometimes HaKadosh Baruch will do a miracle to a slave because of, on behalf of, his master. As we find that HaKadosh Baruch sometimes did a huge, huge uh, a miracle by the uh, uh, goats that grew by Rabbi Hanina Mendoza. And uh, they they brought, they were able to capture uh, 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 bears with their, with their horns. That this miracle certainly didn't happen uh, uh, because of them, you know, because of the, of the, of the goats themselves, but it happened for their Rebbe, Rabbi Hanina Mendoza. So too, a slave is no worse than an animal. And it was, it was quite conceivable that even for them, HaKadosh Baruch Hu could do a miracle on behalf of the slave's master and, and, and for his, for his benefits. And therefore, even slaves were considered eligible to eat from the Korban Pesach. And this then also is the explanation <coughs> why Eliezer, the servant of Avram, <coughs> that when he was standing, by the well of water, and he asked Hashem, Hashem Avram, Hashem the God of my master Avram, please do a miracle for me. He said, even though I'm a servant, and for me alone, it certainly is not, I'm not deserving or worthy of miracles happening on my behalf, but since I am like the hand of my master, Avram, who sent me here. So I'm asking you, please do with me kindness for Avram's sake. And therefore, even when he came later on to the home of uh, Abisul and told him over what, what happened, so he said, 
I'm ever Avram Anachi. I'm a servant of Avram. In other words, he meant to say, don't be amazed about the miracle that happened for me, that today I left home and on the same day I arrived. Because it wasn't for me that it happened, that this miracle happened. Right? It was my master Avram who I'm representing here. Therefore, Kharishpokha changed all the rules of nature, right? Because of this concept of Yad Evet Kiyad Rabbi. The hand of the servant is like the hand of the master, and that's why miracles happened to me. It's actually paskind in the Shulchan Aruch, in Evan Ezra and Simon Laman Sif Dalit, <coughs> that if a father mentions in the presence of his son that he would like to marry a, a wife for him, and the son is silent and doesn't object, and the father goes and betrothes a, a, a woman on behalf of his son, so this is considered to be a good marriage. And uh, Pinchas Halevi, Ishorovitz, writes in his Sefer Hamakne, in the Kuntus Achon he brings, that the source for this in the Torah is from the fact that Eliezer was Mekadesh, married Rivka for Yitzchak, in spite of the fact we don't find that Yitzchak actually appointed Eliezer as his shaliach. It was Avram who appointed him as shaliach. How is it possible? How could a, 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 the, the appointment by Avram on behalf of Yitzhak, how could that be a, a, a good condition? It must be that Avram said to Yitzhak that he wants to find him a wife. Yitzhak did not object and from that, thereby indicating that he agreed with his father that his father should marry a, a, a wife for him. But difficulty is that uh, there is a, an opinion brought in the uh, in, in the Mordechai of, of the Kodesh Miradesh that he brings down. It's actually mentioned also in Nirmah and Evan Ezra and Simon Laman Sifov, that ain shaliach kedushin oisah shaliach acher, that one messenger cannot appoint another messenger. So if so, how could Avram, who was in fact the messenger of Yitzchak, how could he appoint Eliezer as his messenger? The Makna answers there, and actually also in his Sefer, on, on our parsha, that Eliezer, since he was the servant of Avram, so he, he was able to do it from this halach of Yad Evet Kiyat Rabbi. The hand of the servant is exactly like the hand of the master. In other words, it's as if Avram himself was Makadish Rivka. And there was no need that he should actually appoint Eliezer as, as a, as a shaliach. And we have to agree that the Kedushin that worked from this halacha, Yad Evet Kiyad Rabbi, because generally a slave is not able to be a messenger to marry, because he himself is not eligible to marry or divorce a Jewish woman. And therefore, he has to qualify because of a din that he was literally taking the place of Avram. By being a slave, he literally stood in his, in his shoes. And it's actually explicit in, in, in Tysus, uh, Rid that even though a servant himself cannot marry or divorce a Jewish woman, nevertheless, 
a person could send his servant to effect a gitten or a marriage from this from this halacha. Based on this, we have an amazing new explanation. Why was it necessary for Eliezer to tell over to uh, Busuel and, and, and Laman the whole miracle of the Kfitzas Haderach, of the incredible quick journey that he had? Because Busuel argued that Eliezer is not able. How can he be the one to marry Rivka? Because he cannot be a, 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 a how can one agent appoint another agent? Because Eliezer was the Shliach of Avram, and Avram was the Shliach of Yitzchak. And therefore he told them, uh, look at the tremendous miracle that HaKadosh Baruch Hu did, did for me. And that he revealed to them. That that must have happened, not because of me, but I'm really just standing here in the guise of Avram Avinu. And therefore, the miracle happened to me because of my master. And therefore, I don't have the, the, the concept of, of a shaliach of Avram. I'm literally the hand of Avram. And therefore, I can marry Rivka on behalf of, of, of Yitzhak. This is going on for FM. The program is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas Chayesora Tov Shin Pei Dalen. As we prepare for another amazing Shabbos, Baruch Hashem, to another beautiful, beautiful Shabbos. Unfortunately, the war in Israel carries on, and our cares and concerns are for the hostages being kept in Gaza, for all our brethren that are fighting, for all those that have been inconvenienced and are suffering. And we know that the contribution we can make is through our work, through our voida, in our Torah learning, and in our development of true, true, Torah types of character traits and meters, and they go and they go together. The Rosh brings down in Maseches Brachos Rabbi Yonah also also brings it that if a chocha falls into honey, and we then strain the honey, and we cannot find the chocha, the halacha is that the honey is permissible to be eaten. Because certainly the the sheretz, the chacha, turned back into honey. In other words, we see that honey has the quality that it can actually destroy and completely terminate certain creations that fall into it. One day they actually asked of Avram, the Ebenezer, what is the halacha? If you have, let's say, a jar of honey, that a, fl- a fly flew into it, and the, the, uh, the, kind of, the, the honey completely consumed the fly until you can't even see anything of it, is one allowed to eat the honey? The Ebenezer, who, who, who loved the, 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 uh, the, yeah, the, to speak very, very concisely, answered very, very briefly. We have already explained that the honey completely destroyed and burnt up 
the, the fly. And, and therefore the honey again is completely, completely permissible. There's no problem. There's no problem at all. Right? The, the, uh, uh, in fact, what the, what the, uh, Evan Ezra wrote is actually a palindrome. In other words, that we could read what he wrote from front to back. His entire response included five words. Perashnu, we've explained. Rav turn shebedavash, the, 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 the properties of the honey, nispar destroyed and burnt the, the fly. If you take those words backwards, the word v'nisraf backwards is perashnu. The word nispa'er is ravtan. The word shebedvash, of course, is a palindrome in itself, backwards and forwards. And the, the word ravtan is nispa'er. All the words can be read. You turn around and read them front to front. And it goes even more than that. Even more than that, that what the, what the Evan Ezra wrote is if you wrote it in, in, in a, in, uh, from top to bottom, the same message can be read in all four directions. The, the Rashba asks from an event that took place of, by, by the King Hurdus, which in fact is brought in the Gemara Masechus Baba Basra on Daf Gimel. Hordus, we know, was one of the slaves of the Hashmonoi uh, family. So he rebelled against his masters, against the Hashmonoi family, and he killed all of them and just left one Yenukta, one little child that he wanted to uh, marry her. And she went up onto the, onto the roof and she said, anyone who's gonna say that this person comes from the base Hashmonoi is a slave because there was not anyone left from the family except for that girl. And that young girl fell from the roof to the ground and she died. And they say over that Hurdus preserved her body for seven years in honey, in order that it shouldn't, shouldn't rot. So we see again that the, the nature of honey is to preserve and to, and to, to, to guard things. And in fact, Tysus writes this in, 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 uh, in Mesachas Kitten, that it's, one is able to preserve through pickling something in honey, the, the, the winter fruits to keep them for the summertime. And Debrechaim from Sanz explains in this, using this idea, uh, how it's possible to dip the challah on, on how, we, how, how we do that. We dip the, the, the honey, the challah in the honey on Rosh Hashanah in order to, to indicate, to hint that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should preserve our Parnassah for the entire, for the entire year. So if so, asks the Rashba, we have a seeming contradiction here. On the one hand, we find honey preserves, and on the other hand, we find that honey destroys. In the case of the fly and the sherets, it destroys it. Which one 
actually is it? Answers the Rashba, and I quote, he says that the honey has actually both properties. One is to, it can, it can uh, uh, expedite a destruction and, and a finishing off, but that applies to items that fall in it when they are incomplete. But things that are complete and whole, when they're put in honey, they can actually be preserved, as Hurdis did with the body of that young girl. Says the Chofetz Chaim in his introduction to his Sefer Lakute Alochas, he says, he says, he says that we have a, we have a, a, a statement of Chazal, it's sweeter than Torah. And we know that honey in its nature has this tremendous, tremendous sweetness to such an extent that if something, let's say some meat or some bread falls in and it remains there for a quite a long time, so that bread or that meat will turn into absolute honey. Now, according to most of the Paiskim, even if something forbidden fell in it, so we said that it becomes completely, completely kosher. And that's what the Paiskim says, that the sweetness of Torah is, is even greater than the sweetness of of, of honey. In other words, if a person learns Torah and is diligent in his Torah and, and clings to it properly, even if until this point his nefesh, his neshama was not on such a great level, the koyach of the Torah has the ability to sanctify him and to purify him and he will turn into a completely different person. When we sort of put together what the Rashba says with what the Chavetz Chaim says regarding the power of, of Torah, which is compared to honey, we can say that the power of the Torah, which, which is compared to honey, will only work if the person who's learning it is someone who has midas that are broken who doesn't think so much of himself, who has this mida of anava, he makes himself small, then he merits that the Torah is able to change him in a positive way. However, if a person remains whole and so full of himself, in other words, he feels himself, I'm already arrogant, I am already a complete being, so then the Torah doesn't have the ability to change him in a positive way. On the contrary, it, uh, you better be careful because it was going to preserve then his, his bad meanness within, within the person. And with this we can understand the Gemara in, in Shabbos. It says that at the time when the Nachash sort of accosted Chava, so it says, Hitil Bozuama, he injected into her some, some impurity. When the Jewish nation once again stood by Hasinai, ready to accept the Torah, that impurity, that filth left them. Right? A, a non-Jew who never stood by Hasinai, that filth never ever left them. 
And the Gemara needs to be elucidated. The fact that whatever it was that was in the, the Jewish person left, that became because we learned the Torah. Why does Gemara seem to stress that just by standing at Hasinai already that was taken away? So perhaps based on what we're, what we're sort of puzzling, we can say that in all of that, the Torah should be able to serve that it, the, 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 the qualities of the honey can remove the impurity that the Nachash has instilled in us. It's not sufficient to just perfunctory learn Torah. There's a need to join together the, the character trait of, of modesty and humility that we should be a, a broken heart. We should feel the pain. We should feel the suffering of others. And together with that, that we have to be similar to Hasina. Hasina was the smallest of mountains, as the Gemara insight says, because only someone who is, who is broken and, and contrite and truly feels the suffering and pain of other people and doesn't think so much of himself. He has these qualities of, of honey. And for him, the Torah has the ability to change him in a positive way. And therefore, Achazal point out that the very fact that we stood at Asinai ready to receive the Torah and Asinai emulated that Mida of, of, of modesty, of humility, of being a broken vessel. That is in fact what allowed us to be completely purged of all the impurity of, of the snake. And now we can come to understand a little bit about the, uh, about the Gemara in, in, uh, Gimel. It says that Rachel, the daughter of Kalba Savua, saw Rabbi Akiva, that he was Tznia Umale. He was modest and he was a very refined person. And therefore she turned to him with this question that if she would agree to marry him, would he agree to go and learn Torah? Because if he was Tsunua, if he was someone who was very, very modest, right? And he was, he was, he had this meter of another. So then certainly the property of Torah would be able to affect its magic and change him into a better person. Similarly, Resh Lokesh, the Gemara tells us in Bamatsiya Daf Pedalit that one time Rabbi Yechanan was swimming in the Jordan River, right? And the beauty of Rav Yochanan was was absolutely it was it was, it was stunningly beautiful, as as the uh, as the Gemara says. So says Rav Yochanan, he says, uh, right? I'm I'm from the most beautiful people in Yishlaim. The Gemara says that if you want to see the beauty of Rav Yochanan, you should bring a silver cup straight from the silversmith and fill it with seeds of, of a red pomegranate and you should uh, uh, surround it with a, a, a crown of, of red roses and place it sort of between the sun and the, sha- and the, and the shade and that brilliance is a little bit like the beauty of Rav Yochan. But says at that time, Came Reish Lakish, 
Reshlokas at that time was a, a robber bandit, and he saw Rabbi Yochanan, and he thought, this must be a woman. He's so, he's so beautiful. So he took off his clothes, and he jumped after him into the river. Rabbi Yochanan turned to Reish Lakish, and he said to him, says, Ah, Chelech your strength should be used for Torah. Right? The, 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 the incredible strength that you showed by jumping all the way from where you were into the water, that sort of strength should be utilized for the learning of Torah. Reish Lakish answered him and says, But your your beauty, your beauty is fit for, for women. So then Rabbi Yochanan suggested to him that if he would learn Torah, he would allow Eshlakish to marry his sister, who was even more beautiful than him, and she could be his wife. Right? But all he had to do was agree was come back and, and learn Torah. And obviously the question is, how could Rabbi Yochanan agree to give this robber bandit his sister for a wife, right? Maybe he wouldn't be successful in, in his learning. But when Rabbi Yochanan saw that Reshlokish had this meter of anova, of modesty, because when, when, uh, when Rabbi Yochanan said to him, your strength should be for Torah, if Reshlokish had not been anov, Oh boy, his response would have been to boast about all his great achievements. Now amazing what amazing what a person he was. But instead, he turns and returns a compliment to Rabbi Yochanan. Look how beautiful you are. And that showed that he wasn't so full of himself. And showed that in fact, he had this midah of another. And therefore, Torah would help to change him into a into a much much greater person than than he actually than he actually than he was now. On the other hand, we have the opposite story. Yeravam ben Avot, in spite of the fact that he was a great Torah scholar, it says Shekol Chachomim in the fun of says all the other Tamidim were like grass next to him. He was much greater, but because of his arrogance. Where he said to Akadosh Baruch Hu, when given the proposal of being allowed to walk with Akadosh Baruch Hu and David Melch in Gadayin, he asked, "Mir Barosh, who's going to walk in front?" He wasn't zayicha that the power of the Torah would be able to change him into a better person. Like also Elisha ben Avilia, who became Acher, who unfortunately went off the derech, and the Torah says in in Chagiga. That his father sent him to learn Torah. But since he saw at his brismila that a fire came down from Shemayim when Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Yeshua were busy learning Torah, therefore all of his limud was really not Lashem Shemayim. He was learning, wow, he wanted to get the power of Torah. And therefore it didn't help him <coughs> to turn him into a good, into a good person. The Yohan Erevin brings in discussing the famous arguments that always took place between Beishamai and Beishilo. It says that a, a heavenly voice came and said, 
Eilu ve'elu divri l'kimchaim. Both of these great rabbis, what they're saying are the words of HaKadosh Baruch himself. But the Allah is like Basil. The one says, why was Zoyche, why was Basil merit that the Allah was fixed to follow them? Because they were, it says, they were noichem v'aluvim hayu. They were very, very easy and they were, and they were very, very contrite, very, very modest. And whenever they, they were learning, they would state their opinion, and they also always stated the opinion of, of Beshamai, who argued on him. And not only that, they used to first mention the opinion of Beshamai, and, and, and learn it, uh, uh, properly understand it, right? And before they even mentioned their own opinion. So the Beis Yosef asks, he has a, the Beis Yosef has a safer on, on the principles of, of the Gemara Ali Chastoylam. He says, I says, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. Surely that if the Allah is not like Beis Shammai, right? What is it just because of the great Midas Toivas that they had? That's why the Allah is, 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 uh, is, is like them? Doesn't make sense. Surely whichever one is more logical and more correct to be the, to be the, the, the correct halacha. And he answers, no, no, we have to understand what Chazal mean. That why was it, why were they Zoyche, why was Basil always Zoyche? That their opinion was closer to the truth. And on that they answered. Because since they were so, so people who were so modest, and, and so concerned with not hurting and, and, and seeing the opinions of others. That's why from heaven, there was Zaycha that they were more likely to sort of cotton on to the, the truth in, 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 in all times. Based on this, says the Chidah in the Sefer Yosef Tehillis, he says on the Pasuk, it says, Yadrech Anovim Bemishpat, you should direct Modest people in justice, the Yilamelanavimdaka, and then the modest people will learn his way. So he says, as as the Basis have explained it, that through modesty we're able to, to be machavin to the truth of Torah. And that's what it says, Yadrachanabishpat, that we're gonna fix the halacha is is like them. And if you're gonna say why, but just because they're they're modest, right? Maybe they're gonna mess the, make up the halacha if they if they're modest. So we say no. The Yilmal Anovim Darkly, that in the merit of the of the Anova and the merit of their modesty, they're going to be merit that when they learn Torah, they're going to understand it in, in the best way possible. Let's let's try. As we try to help the soldiers and the, and the captives, let's try to learn as much Torah and work on Amidas so that the two together can affect the total change in ourselves and please God, change the whole situation in Eretz Israel also. This is one one point nine the program is Soul to Soul. Please stay with us. We're coming back with our Hilchos Shabbos. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.5 FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas Chai Yei Sora Tov Shin Mem Dalet. And a warm welcome to those of you who may be joining us just now at this point of the show. I won't tell you how much you missed, but thank you for joining us anyway. 
at this at this point, as we always do at this juncture of the show, just to go through the very, very important times you will need to know for this coming Shabbos, Kodesh Parshas Chayesara, which is also Shabbos Mavarchim for Kodesh Kislev. So this afternoon, the earliest time to bench slich, to light those Shabbos candles and get the Shabbos going in your home is at 5.07. Seven minutes past five, you can already <coughs> light the Shabbos candles, and amazingly enough, if you really want to do something a bit extra for the situation to make an extra schus, it's a wonderful thing to do. Add some extra time to your Shabbos Kodesh, make sure everything's done beforehand so you can relax and sort of ease into a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful atmosphere and environment of Shabbos in your home as soon as possible. What could possibly be better? What could be a greatest chus for yourselves, for Klai Yisrael at this, at this, uh, at this moment? If for whatever reason you're not able to manage the earliest time, so then your sort of other bracket would be then the latest time for benching Lich this coming Shabbos is 12 minutes past six. Please God, next week we're going to reach our summer sort of, uh, uh, sort of, uh, Parking place of quarter past six, twelve minutes past six is the latest time for benching licht uh, uh, this afternoon. By then, you have to make sure everything is done, everything is in place, the house is ready, the foods is is being heated, and we're good to go for a a beautiful, beautiful Shabbos. So that's twelve past six. Shkia then is at 6.30, and again, the time between 6.12 and 6.30 is only intended for absolute emergencies where there's no way you can manage to get Shabbos in earlier, but otherwise it's not to be tampered with. 6.30, of course, is the latest absolute time. That's that's Shkia. That is when it uh, really, really is Shabbos in all sorts of ways, and uh, therefore, if you want to be able to daven Meirev tonight, and not have to repeat the Shema later. If you daven any time later than about 6.48, then it's considered to be a proper night, and you can daven and say the Shema, fulfill the mitzvah of saying Krishma in its correct time, and then sit down with the family to a beautiful, beautiful Shabbos meal, some good Zemira, some good Torah, some good conversation. Talk about the week, talk about things that happened, talk about... Amazing things that transpired during your week. And give each other chizah, give each other strength as we prepare to sort of go forward and embark after Shabbos on another, another week. It's such an important, such a wonderful, wonderful thing, especially now in the wake of last week of the Shabbos project. We're all feeling so enthused and invigorated and, and got such a chizak to our, our Shmir Shabbos, our keeping of Shabbos, our, our connection. To, to Shabbos. Tomorrow morning, of course, is Shabbos Kodesh, Pashas Chayesara, beautiful, beautiful Pasha, deals with the death and burial of Sari Menu, and of course, the, the, uh, uh, effort to uh, attain a wife for, for Rivka, beautiful, beautiful Pasha. The Haftarah is also a, a very, very nice Haftarah from the very, very beginning of the book of, of Malachim. Where David Melech is about to cede his kingdom over to Shlomo and the sort of the challenge and intrigue that goes with, with that. This week is also Shabbos Mavarchim. We are uh, about to usher in the month of Kislev. Uh, Hanukkah is only about three and a half weeks away. 
please God, Rosh Chodesh will be this coming week on Tuesday, just one day of Rosh Chodesh, just on, on Tuesday, so Mavach and Chodesh, and obviously in your shul, whatever you do to celebrate, Shabbos Mavachim, be it a Shalom, be it a Shia, be it whatever, whatever sort of kumzits you might have, make it something significant, make it beautiful, and uh, yeah, we're starting to get sort of hyped already for 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 Hanukkah. Uh, Shabbos carries on, obviously, because it's Shabbos Mavachim, we don't say Avrachamim, or make, make Askaras, and Shabbos is getting longer, Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at five minutes past seven, seven oh five, as the days get longer and longer, and we go deeper into, into the summer, into the summer, uh, uh, season, and prepare, say, for another beautiful week, with a Rosh Chodesh in, in the middle, in the middle of it. We are learning the law still of, of Bayer, of separating food, uh, while eating, and let's talk today for a moment about teapots, right? Uh, a teapot is a, a vessel in which we cook uh, a tea leaves in order to make a kind of an essence, uh, a liquid essence of of uh, of, of tea. Um, we do that very often because, as we will discuss later, there are sort of uh, many issues around using tea bags on on Shabbos, and therefore many prefer to, prefer, before Shabbos, prepare a concentrated sort of essence of, of, of tea and, and use that sort of uh, to make their cups of tea. Now, at the top, at the spout of this teapot, there is a kind of a, a strainer that will stop and not allow any of the tea leaves to be poured sort of into the into the cup that you are uh, making the tea the tea in. Now, when these uh, uh, tea leaves, right, uh, uh, sort of sink to the bottom of 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 the teapot, and sort of on top of it, so they're sort of already submerged at the bottom, and above that is the is the tea essence. So then you're allowed to pour the the essence, which is at that point clear and and untainted by the by the tea leaves. You're allowed to pour that into the into the cup because at that point you don't anticipate that there's going to be any straining taking place because the tea leaves have all sunk to the bottom of the of the vessel. However, as soon as the sort of the level of the tea essence begins to to drop, and now we have a situation where the tea essence that and, and the the leaves are actually mixed together. So now we get into a situation. There are some opinions that say that at that point you cannot pour the tea essence via the the uh, spout of the teapot because that strainer is going to separate. The tea essence, which is flowing through from the, through the strainer into the cup from the tea leaves that you want to, uh, strain out. So some say it's forbidden. Some allow it, even in the situation when they are mixed, mixed two together. And the truth is, since it is quite possible, even at that stage, to add more hot water Obviously, not from a klishen, but from a klisheni, into that teapot, 
and and that again would then raise the level of the water so that the water would be now be higher than the tears and the tears would go back to being submerged at the bottom, there would no longer be a mixture anymore of tea leaves and and uh, tea essence. So then, that would be a better, better uh, suggestion. And then you can uh, uh, pour freely. No, no, no one would dispute the fact that you can then pour the tea essence into the cup, rather than getting into a doubt and, and a machlekes, whether or not when there is a mixture, you can pour the tea leaves or, or not. That's a, a, a better suggestion. Where there is no possibility of adding more water, so then Bidyevet, we can rely on the lenient opinion Bidyevet and pour through the strainer the, the, uh, the tea, the tea, uh, essence that you want to have for your tea. Uh, you're allowed to prepare tea by taking a tea bag into uh, a, a, a cup of, of water, of hot water, if we're talking already about a klishlishi, in other words, I take it from the uh, urn into a second cup, and then from the second cup into a third cup. However, when I remove the tea bag from the water, one has to be very, very careful not to allow it, allow it to sort of hover over the cup in order to, that the drops of water that are sort of contained inside the tea bag, that they shouldn't drop from their drops into the, into the cup. Because there are many Poiskimo holds that a, a tea bag Right, which is then going to allow drops to come through, but not allow any of the tea bags to come out of the sea bag of, of of the tea bag. That may very be considered as a type of a a strainer, and therefore you are actually doing an act of separation by by removing the 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 tea bag and allowing the liquid contained therein to, to flow from within the tea leaves. Into the into the uh, into the cup, but rather uh, you should either straight away take the tea bag out of the cup and and put it uh, in the rubbish or in another in another cup. Or ma- what Machmirim do is they take out the tea bag with a spoon in such a way that together with the sea bag will also come a little bit of the, of the liquid. We're going to come back with our some final comments in a moment. This is 101.9 Haifa, the program is Soul to Soul, and this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. This is so, this is so, back on your radio. Last few minutes of our show, this is Shabbos Pashas Chai Sora, Top Shin Pei Dalin. We're talking for the moment. Let's say you have a chocha that falls into your cup of tea and it's sort of floating there on top of the water. So we have an opinion, you have different opinions. Some allow you to take out the chocha by itself and others are stricter. And that's the majority opinion holds that you, you're not allowed to take it out by itself. That would be better because you're removing what you don't want from what you do want. But what you can do is 
to take out with a spoon in such a way that together with the chokhmah will also come out a little bit of the of the liquid, or you could just sort of tip over the cup and pour out a little bit of the tea together with the chokhmah. Same thing would happen if, let's say, uh, a fly fell into your soup or into your cooked food, where again you're allowed to take it out with a spoon, with a little bit of the food. But if it fell into the, let's say, the soup or the into your cooked food, several chachas, then you would not be allowed to remove them with a little bit of the food, because there it's so clear when there are a bunch of them that your main intention is to remove not the soup, but the, the chachas. And, uh, the, the, the food that's in the spoon is just, uh, it's just a secondary thing. So really it comes out that you are again blatantly taking out what you don't want from the edible portion and you're violating a, a, a prohibition. The only way to work with that is to take together with each chacha that you have a lot of the soup. Let's say, for instance, use a cup until the main of what you're taking out is actually the food. And then you then it's separate then it's considered that you're separating edible matter from edible matter and there there's no no forbidden. You'd be allowed to uh, uh, rinse fruit, let's say that has dust on it in order to eat them straight away, but you're not allowed to sort of soak them in water so that the dust should sort of separate from them and either sink to the bottom or, or separate totally from it. This is really all the time we have this at our Shabbos. I'm so glad you joined us. I'm so glad you're with us for, for the show, even for part of it. And all that's left is I want to wish each and every one of you a beautiful, beautiful Shabbos. As I say, coming off the Shabbos project of last week, we're all enthused, we're all really excited about keeping Shabbos, about strengthening our attachment to Shabbos. I mean, HaKadosh Baruch give us this chus that this Shabbos should be a really, really beautiful and meaningful Shabbos. And that as always, this chus of us keeping Shabbos should be a source of bracha, not only for ourselves and our families, but for our community and for all those in Christ, or particularly Achino B'nai Yisrael and Asunim B'tzara, all of the Yidin Yisrael who are going through such a difficult time. May the Shabbos Menucha bring ultimate Menucha to all of them from their immediate Tzaras and all of Yisrael to the ultimate uh, a cessation of of all our Tzaras and the coming of Mashiach. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for listening. And a good good bench to Shabbos to one and to all.